0: Alrighty, we are are back for another exciting edition of Cloverleaf Radio. I'm the host of the most, the king of the quarantine, Jimmy Falcon, and we are absolutely honored to be welcoming back author Kenny Sills. How's it going, my friend?
1: Man, it's going great. How are you?
0: I'm good. Got the dogs barking. Cool day. (laughs) What more can you ask for?
1: Yep, got the windows open finally. It's kind of nice out. Absolutely. It's very Halloween-y feeling right now.
0: Yeah, it is. Yeah, that, I like this. Got that uh fall sensation. <laughs> right. And <laughs> so what's new? How how'd you get through COVID?
1: Oh God, COVID sucked, didn't it? Yeah. I'm so over it. Yeah. Um I mean it's it was it was bad, you know. I lost a, a couple of people that I knew uh from it. Um I I'm tired of wearing a mask everywhere I go. I'm tired of yeah. social distancing. I'm you know, I'm just tired of it all. I'm I'm ready for it to be done.
0: Yeah, and any unless it's like I mean I deliver pizzas and stuff too, but unless I'm going to like uh the hospital or like an old folks home, I'm not putting that thing on.
1: Yeah, it's weird. Like you go to you go to Snooks and and everybody's got it on. You go to a different store and nobody's got them on. You know, you know, a hardware store, and nobody's wearing one. Yeah, it seems um, like went, yeah, it's here. weird. I I went into the dollar store. They're like, you don't need one. I went into a gas station. You got to wear one. So what's <laughs> what's the point? You know.
0: Yeah, I don't understand. At least around here, a lot of the places have it on the door, but not even the employees have it. So you're like, "Well, who am I really fucking wearing it for? <laughs> I'm not wearing it for myself. I don't give a shit. I've been a, I've been around. My girlfriend had it. I didn't catch it. I've been at people's asses at bars singing karaoke. Haven't caught it. Like I think I got to yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's
1: it's such a weird. You know, nobody knows exactly what it's all about. Or no. Nope. If, it's, if it was curable, or if it's not, or if it's con- how contagious it is, or, you know, who knows? Who knows? It's too early. It's, a year is nothing for a virus. You know, we need to know, you know, 20, 30 years from now to really get a, a handle on what this was all about, I think.
0: I mean, I'm sure in all actuality, there's probably stuff about the Spanish flu we still don't know nothing about.
1: It's Yeah, right. right.
0: So we may never know the full truth as much as uh, the world would, as I like to say, see it in the history books, as far as I'm yeah. concerned.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, how about yourself? What's new? What's going on? What's what's happening?
0: Oh, working and getting ready for Dark History Con. I'm glad these conventions are finally back going. Cause God, me to everybody.
1: I've, I've been to four or five of them so far this year, and nice. it's like they're jam-packed because people are just ready to get out, you know? They're ready to do something again and be sociable.
0: What uh, con you been at this year?
1: Uh, SimoCon, Con, Cape Con, uh, Monster, Midwest Monster Fest uh gosh last weekend where was i um fort Wayne. oh, oh uh D- dead con last weekend um i've got uh, dark history this weekend i got a, a book signing down at my old uh, my old alma mater uh, southeast missouri state university oh, nice. on october 30th uh that's gonna be kind of cool and then i'm um, kind of giving a break for a month or two busy man i tell you yeah yeah this new book's got me hopping
0: so what made you uh, get around to writing a sequel? I mean, uh, uh, getting any book out isn't easy, and then deciding to write a sequel can't be any easier.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, my, my first book, uh, Tattoo, A Beautiful Sin, took me about 12 years to write, wow. which is quite a long time. Really? You know, I've, I've never written any but anything before. I, didn't, I wasn't even sure if I was going to publish it or anything, but it took me 12 years. Uh, I go and I sit down and I, I go to sell it, and then people come back like, when's the next one? I'm like, uh, it took me 12 years to do that one. I mean, <laughs> I wasn't planning on doing another one. Call me in 15. Uh, what's
0: that? Like, call me in 15.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, uh, there was more to the story in my head. And so I decided that I was going to uh, go ahead and put it down. And in actuality, it's a prequel to okay. the first book. Uh, in the first book, they, they talk about the uh, the Soul Reaper who, uh, who was in Cape Girardeau back in the uh, late 80s. And uh that's what this
0: second book is all about. So is it based in fact? Uh
1: no. Well, so. yes and no. Okay. Yes and no. Not not the horror, you know, ridiculous scary stuff. I was like but, that straight uh, up sounds, sounds like my something experiences a college are in <laughs> there.
0: That sounded like a case I felt like I could have watched a documentary on. <laughs> like yeah, totally Cape Girardo Strangler, yeah, totally.
1: Yeah, but yeah, there's there's a that's... lot of me in it. Um, but none of, none of the, the, the gore, horror horror stuff, you know, all that. But, but there's a lot of fun things that I did in college that are in there.
0: Nice. Well, that's got to be cool, mixing fact and fiction together in a story and bringing it all into one piece.
1: It is. It is. You know, it's funny. I was at uh, uh, DeadCon this past weekend, and I was telling this guy about my book. He goes, oh, my God. He says, I was a uh, PO in, in, a, in, in a, the joint, basically. And he said, we had a guy that cut tattoos off people and, and ate them. Oh my said, Holy god. Holy cow, dude. He goes, So that story right there isn't really far from, you know, it's not really that much fiction. That stuff really happens. <laughs> oh, geez. So I, who knows? I didn't write it because of that, but there's people out there, you know, there's crazies out there that are doing that stuff.
0: Yeah, totally. It sounds like some Ed Gein did back in the day. I mean, you could believe it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
0: So I'm guessing since you did this and you go to Dark History Con, you have some sort of like for serial killers and true crime horror.
1: I wouldn't say, yeah, uh, True Crime War, yeah, I, I wouldn't say, uh, gosh, I don't want to say that it's it's great that somebody did all this oh, stuff, right. and I, I you know, I don't like it, but uh, it's it's fascinating, it's intriguing, you know, and it's it's uh, it's cool to be on the other side of it and reading it and being safe, kind of like when you go to a horror movie, you know, right. you're watching it, you're scared, but you're safe, it's that kind of thing, you know? It's
0: like you want to watch a Ted Bunny documentary, not meet him for coffee.
1: <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, and I wish there was no such thing as a Ted Bundy or anybody like that, you know. But since there are, you know, it's interesting to see how they how they tick, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't. I, I'm kind of glad there is because I'm kind of a weird, messed up guy, but I've not done anything as weird as any of those dudes. So it makes me feel more human.
1: <laughs> there you go. Yeah, you know, funny little story. My uh, my wife told me that her friend uh, used when they were in high school uh, worked at a, a makeup counter at the mall and some guy came up and said you were so pretty he said i'd love to have you as one of my models in my agency and he gave her his card and you know they talked for a minute and he took off and she didn't think much of it she threw his card in the trash and it said ted bundy on it it was actually ted bundy trying to pick her up
0: what? Wait, you're you say your wife
1: my wife's girl my wife's friend in high school oh my school.
0: god that's that's too close yeah. for comfort
1: i know i know yeah oh and she just Lord. told her about it uh, like a year ago she goes what what? This whole time you've known me, you've never told me that Ted Buddy tried to abduct you? Nope. Yeah, but yeah, she could have been one of his victims.
0: That's crazy. That hits close to home.
1: It, that's what I mean. That's exactly what I mean. I mean, you, it's not like they're only out there. You know, they're they're walking amongst us. That's the scary thing.
0: Absolutely. They almost are us in a certain way, as close as, you know, what people are to each other. Yeah. Well, bouncing around as I famously do. Uh, what was it like uh, growing up in St. Louis? I'm I'm a couple hours away, but I love getting there and, and visiting.
1: Yeah, it was it was great. I didn't live in the city. I lived in a suburb. Okay. Um, had really good friends who, to this day, I'm still friends with most of them. Uh, we we uh, we'd be out this time of night playing kick the can, <laughs> you know, hide seek, and all sorts of different games until. Gosh, nine, ten, eleven o'clock at night, and we never had to worry about anybody coming and grabbing us or anything like that. You know, our, our parents knew we were safe, and we would go home when we went home, and it was great. And uh, I got to grow up in the eighties, which was even yeah, more you great. You know, the, the music, the movies, the, the
0: big hair—I love it all. Still do. Yeah, me too. I was born in eighty-eight, so I'm—I feel like I'm an eighties kid, but I'm not because I'm more I like a nineties kid. In <laughs>
1: You're a kid.
0: God, see, I just <laughs> aged you.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, study creative writing, philosophy, and what the hell is theology?
1: What's theology? Yeah, uh,
0: yeah, I really don't know what it is.
1: Theology—that is the study of uh, different religions. Oh, interesting. Uh, and gods and things like that. So, if you're a theologist, you're you're into different uh, different deities and gods and beliefs and and you know different world religions and things like that
0: wow and what all like that i almost said what all did you learn but what what kind of things do you learn or what did you come away from uh when after taking that
1: uh that this whole world is is so much different from continent to continent country to country um the, the philosophies of the different religions are so unique and varied um You've got your Hindu fire sacrifices. You've got uh, you've got in, in Alaska how they they can take little girls and put them out in the snow and just let them die because that's their philosophy. You know, it's uh, you've got you know your Buddhists, your you know don't hurt anybody, don't you know do anything. You know, you've got your Muslims and you know blow everybody up, and it's just so different. You know, and and I, I really learned that boy with religion there comes a lot of war. And unfor- unfortunately, um, everybody's got to be right, you
0: know. Yeah, yeah, it's unfortunate. Uh, you know, it's like yeah, if you don't, if you don't like my God, I'll kill you for it.
1: It really is. It, I, I've, I've kind of, I've kind of came to a, 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 an idea of, uh, well, for you example, what's your favorite cereal?
0: Oh my! Oh, I used to. Oh man. Probably one from Throwing when probably one from the nineteen forties, a little radio says, "Oh, like a food cereal." No,
1: no, 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 no! Your your breakfast cereal. What's your I'll favorite I'm
0: just being smart ass. Lucky Charms.
1: Wrong. It's Frosted Flakes. Okay. See, that's religion, in my opinion. Right. That's that's in my opinion that is religion and a, and a all wrapped up in and a it's, wrong. It's you're wrong. Frosted Flakes. It's You know, it's it's a, it's subjective. It's it's how you're growing up now, what you believe, and that's what you think is right, and everybody else is wrong.
0: Yeah, it's messed up because in the end, no, we don't know where we're going to go when we die. And we don't know nope. if, you know, I'm guessing there's probably only one ruler, but it could be 500. You never know. But, you know, I who mean, knows? yeah,
1: before before the, the god that we know now, there were, you know, thousands. There were
0: thousands. Oh, yeah. You know?
1: yeah. So Hercules, who's to say which Thor. one of those thousands is right? And
0: then they all started becoming Marvel and Disney characters. Or, uh, <laughs> yes, they did. Thor, yes, Hercules. Did. <laughs> Zeus and Thor
1: and all those yeah, guys. Yeah. Zeus.
0: Oh, that's funny.
1: <laughs> so yeah, that's that's theology in in a nutshell, and it, it kind of turned me off religion, unfortunately. Sorry if you, there's religious people no, no. listening, oh, well. uh, but it, it okay. kind of changed my opinion of things. I okay.
0: bet. Yeah, the further you look into something, or if you if you're a big fan of something, I learned with pro wrestling, if you're a big fan of something, you get into it. You don't necessarily want to be like watching it or taking part in things on the side because. You know everything that's going on you figured out the mystique and you're like oh, it's yeah a... yeah
1: well Look looking behind the curtain isn't always the best thing to
0: do no it's not no it can really yeah. kill your dreams for sure
1: yeah
0: well i'm guessing you're still uh teaching martial arts what brought you to that how did you uh come into martial arts and why did you want to begin to learn the, the the craft of it
1: well growing up i was always watching bruce lee and jackie chan and you know, all those cool old kung fu movies. And uh always wanted to do it and my parents would not let me do it because I guess they thought I was gonna get hurt. And so day one of college, I took self defense one and uh from there went to judo and from there met a met a guy uh, named Julian Sims who was doing some stuff at Open Mat uh where I was at and I, I was like, Man, that's really cool stuff. What are you doing? He says it's called G Kundo, which is Bruce Lee's style. He says I said, Can I can I learn? Will you teach me? And he started teaching me, and uh, thirty years later, twenty-five years later, uh, there's three Ohana martial arts schools wow. under me, and uh, things are going well. And I'm a fifth degree black belt now. Jesus, mm-hmm.
0: I know who I'm getting some training from. <laughs>
1: it's it's part of my life, you know. I, I can't I can't not do it now.
0: I God, yeah, you yeah. put thirty years into something,
1: you're yep. stuck. Yeah, it's 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 part of who I am, you
0: know. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. What's uh, what's some of the or any interesting or fun stuff you've seen being involved with uh, with or uh, martial arts?
1: Kajukimbo. That's the style yeah, that I'm doing now. Uh, well, I about 20 years ago, I got involved with uh, teaching uh, people with disabilities uh, uh-huh. martial arts, and you would think it's it, it's gonna be like uh. Babysitting, you know, pancake kind of thing, but we we teach the same things that we teach in the adult class. Uh, we just modify it for them, and I've I've seen some of these people, you know, come a, th- a thousand times more than I ever thought they would. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm getting a scam call. I got to turn that off. Um, you know, and we've taken it uh, around the world. We've taken it to to Texas. We've taken it to uh, uh, Europe. Uh, we were at the World Medical Council in Slovenia. Uh, back in 2000, showing all the doctors and nurses what our disabled people, who they didn't think could do anything, could do, and they're up there breaking boards and you know kicking and punching and doing all the things that nobody thought they could do. And so then they took that idea and incorporated it to different uh, different martial arts schools around the world. Wow. After seeing that, yeah.
0: Well, that's got to be very uh, heartwarming.
1: Yeah, it's yeah, it's good for the soul, I guess. You know, yeah, if there sure. is such a thing. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I don't know. Are we soul or are we blood and
1: guts? (laughs) Who knows? Maybe both? I don't know. Yeah,
0: fifty. Oh, gosh. Well, uh, we got Dark History Con Saturday. Uh, Along with that, what does the uh, future got going for you, Kenny?
1: Oh, gosh. Uh, Yeah, after Dark History, like I say, the weekend after that, I'll be in Cape Girardeau at the uh, Simo Bookstore uh, doing a book signing there and uh possibly gosh what's this quad con i'm looking at uh in december i'm gonna see if, I, if they want to have me as a guest there and uh who knows you know from there it's just gonna be uh whoever whoever gets to hold me first gets to get me
0: <laughs> oh absolutely well i'm looking forward to seeing on uh, uh, seeing you on saturday and before we go where can everybody pick up your tattoo of beautiful sin or uh the prequel
1: yeah you can uh, you can email me if you'd like a uh Autograph copy at tattooauthor at gmail.com. Uh, that's tattoo, T-A-T-T-O-O, author at gmail.com. Uh, you can get uh, Tattoo, A Beautiful Sin, which you have to first uh, read that first before you would read the second book, Tattoo, The Soul Reaper, uh, or else it'll ruin a lot of stuff for you. Uh, you can also get it on Amazon, and I've got a, uh, a Wix website. If you just look for Kenny Sills' tattoo, it'll take you to it.
0: Very cool, Kenny. Well, it was really nice talking with you again, my friend. And I will see you on Saturday.
1: All right. I can't wait to see you, bud. Take care.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You too. Have a good night.
1: Thanks for having me on,
0: too. No problem. All
1: right. (laughs)
0: Bye-bye.
1: Bye-bye. All
0: righty, guys. Big thanks to Kenny Stills. We have a couple shows coming up, actually. Um, As I mentioned, Dark History and HorrorCon is this Saturday, October 23rd at the iHotel Conference Center in Champaign, Illinois. You can go to uh, Dark History and Horicon on Facebook for more information, up-to-date ticket prices, guest info, and vendors. There will be a lot of awesome people there this year. Corin Nimick, who is the title character in the hit TV show Parker Lewis Can't Lose, is going to be there. Uh, It's going to be a little Texas Chainsaw, the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre reunion with uh, Terry McMinn, who played Pam, and John Dugan, who played Grandpa. They're both going to be there. We have uh, some true crime stuff as well. Uh, Wyatt Weed, or I'm sorry, David Thibodeau, Waco survivor from the 1993 Waco siege of the Branch Davidians. He's going to be there, returning again. He's also giving a talk. Uh, we spoke to him on the show. He was actually the last show we did a couple days ago. It's always nice talking to David. It's going to be great to see him again. Uh, Wyatt Weed, who I accidentally almost mentioned before, uh, he's an actor and uh, filmmaker as well. He has been on Star Trek, uh, Star Trek, Star Trek, uh, also played one of the Boar Predators and Predator 2, uh, filmmaker John Borowski is gonna be there, um, Bishops, actor Bishop Stevens is gonna be there, man, it's just, it's crazy, I'm trying to think of everybody, um, but it's gonna be an awesome time, I think you guys should join us, because it will be worth it, um, the next show for Cloverleaf is going to be this Sunday, October 24th. We are welcoming author Dacker Stoker. And of course, the Stoker name may sound familiar. It sounds familiar to me because I achieved Stoker's Wintergreen. But that's not the Stoker I'm talking about. Of course, I'm talking about Ram Stoker, the creator, or the writer of Dracula. And uh, Dacker Stoker is Bram's great grandnephew. And the an author as well, he's continued the Dracula legacy. It's going to be really nice talking to him. I always like these, uh, I gotta call them celebrities, the next generation, but these interviews with uh, family members of the famed and uh, infamous. So it's going to be nice talking to him. Uh, Wednesday, we're shooting to have on author Brian K. Morris, who I've talked to many times. It's always nice talking to my bow tie brother. And uh, hopefully some other shows uh, coming up as well after that. So be sure and stay tuned to www.jainetwork.com. You can also find us on Anchor, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and numerous other platforms. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Have a great night. Alrighty, we're back for another exciting edition of Cloverleaf Radio. I'm the host of the most, the king of the quarantine, Jimmy Falcon. And we are absolutely honored to be joined today
2: by Corin Nimic. AKA
0: Parker Lewis.
2: <laughs> How's it going, man? Oh, it's going fantastic, my friend. It's going fantastic. So, do you do a lot of these cons? Um, I, you might as well just, yeah, I, there we go. i put it right there. <laughs> hey, I actually, um, I, I do do quite a number of cons. Uh, I do do. I hate it when I say that. We um, <laughs> I mean, all do do. <laughs> yeah. I do do do. do. I do do. Uh, Would you like a and, oh, sure, sure, sure. I'm in, I'm in the middle of an interview right now. Sure. So, oh, no, it's okay, She's but I'll definitely safe. take a fidgety. Just so everybody knows what a fidgety is, it's a tiny little rubber uh, skeleton thing that you can kind of stretch and pull and throw at people if you want. Um, but uh, uh, now I forgot what the question was. Do you do a lot of conventions? Oh, that's right. Uh, I've done more in the past. Uh, mostly the conventions that I did were all overseas. I, I have a, I have, I'm like the days of David Hasselhoff of France. Uh, uh, I have a really big following over there, and in Germany as well, because Parker Lewis ran for decades over there, whereas here in the U.S. it went off the air in '94 and never came back on. Now it's on Crackle.com, at least the first two seasons are. But over there, uh, in, you know, in many of the countries over there, they just they just it was one of those shows they just loved, and, and they and and they just ran it and they cycled it. And so there's a number of generations of people who uh, grew up with the show, not just one generation, uh, like here basically. So. I, and also Stargate was very popular over there and Supernatural was very popular over there and, and The Stand is very popular over there. A lot of other projects that I've done. Uh, so a lot of my travel was, was over there I'm doing conventions and in Australia as well. I've been to Australia like over 20 times doing doing, doing cons and uh, yeah, yeah, just fantastic. I really love it. So I am starting to, to, to gravitate towards doing more in the U.S. right now obviously because of uh, some of the travel restrictions and things like that going on and and but it seems like it's going to be opening up i've already gotten a couple of offers for some some cons in france next year and i'll be looking forward to that but uh it's definitely it's definitely been an odd year two years hasn't it <laughs> yeah right
0: uh but you did you get um kind of inspiration to get into the industry because your parents were both in it i did see that you watched the goonies and found inspiration that's such a great movie yes that was my
2: dad was a uh, was assistant art director on Goonies, mm-hmm. and he, you know, he, he was in charge of, of designing the entire ship and in inside inside the cavern. Uh, when I saw that movie, I'd been I'd been on sets that my dad worked on, and also my mom was in the music business and theater business as a graphic designer, and I was around a lot of the arts and entertainment, you know, scene my whole life. When I saw Goonies, and I saw how much fun those kids were having, uh, I knew how they made films. And I, and I understood the process and I just thought, that's totally for me. And I was only like 10 years old or, you know, I think I was 10 or 11 when that movie came out. And I started, I, I got into an acting class, uh, pretty much within within less than a year of that movie coming out, I, I got into an acting class out in Los Angeles called Center Stage LA. A gentleman named Kevin McDermott was the, uh, is the uh, uh, the artistic director of, this, of that class. And it turned out to be one of the more reputable, if not the most reputable, children's acting groups in Los Angeles. And we did, uh, within six months or so, we did a showcase. I did, did a, a couple of scenes in it, one dramatic, one comedic, if I remember correctly. Um, and met with a bunch of ma- managers and agents after we did the, the showcase. Signed with an agent within the next couple of days and started auditioning the following week. And, and I got the, the very first audition I went on was for a Suzuki motorcycle commercial, which oddly enough, somebody just found it online recently, which is really strange, because I, I hadn't seen it since the 80s. And uh, I got the job. It was like my first audition, got the job, and was working. I was like, this is crazy, you know? And, and then I got, I got the movie, uh, Tucker, the man in his dream, shortly after that. I think, I think one of the other, the next jobs I got before even Tucker, I think, or it might have been after Tucker, but I think it was before, was, was with uh, Ernie Reyes Jr. on Sidekicks with Gil Gerard, and uh, Ernie and I we have remained friends our entire lives. Uh, we ended up going to high school together, oddly enough, uh, but that said it was when I did the Francis Coppola film, playing Jeff Bridges' son. One of his one of his sons, Christian Slater played the older brother, and uh, there was then there was a, 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 a young young almost a baby uh, that was uh, in it. An a- Anders Johnson, I think, was his name. I can't recall. Uh, and Nina Shamasco played my my uh, my sister in it. She was great, but uh, that that really. Is what, is what gave me some credibility in the, in the film and television world at that point was was being cast by Francis Pope. Okay. So after that, I was auditioning for much bigger and, and better projects. And, and then did I Know My First Name Is Steven. Actually, before I did I Know My First Name Is Steven, if I am Yeah, no, no, I did I Know My First Name Is Steven, and then right after that, I did uh, What's Alan Watching with Eddie Murphy.
0: Oh,
2: wow. Uh, but before I Know My First Name Is Steven, I did the last, the last season of uh, Webster. Uh, playing Nikki Papadopoulos, the living cousin, I, I, my parents uh, had moved away to go help uh, natives in Africa learn how to grow potatoes. I mean, I, I, who, know, who knows who that's writes perfect. this crap? I mean, just <laughs> who writes this crap, right? But it was, it, you know, Emmanuel Lewis, who played Webster, was absolutely fantastic. We, we got along great. But Mam and George, they were a nightmare. They were an absolute nightmare. Uh, I won't even say their real names, but that that's... Uh, that, that all of that led up to doing. I know my first name is Steven. Got got an Emmy nomination for that. Did uh, What's on Watching, which which uh, got me the the job on Parker Lewis, because uh, the the creator of Parker Lewis, uh, Clyde Phillips and Lon Diamond were at CBS at the time, and they were creating Parker Lewis for CBS around the same time I was doing What's on Watching. So when they saw What's on Watching, they they were like, oh, this is the guy for for the job. So when they, when they, uh, when they got t- turned down for Parker Lewis by CBS, the rights to, the, to it re- went, went, you know, reverted back to them, and they went and sold it to Fox. So when Fox picked it up, fortunately for me, I had done enough work at that point to be you know, spicy enough for the network for them to go, oh yeah, totally, we'll, 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 you know, we, we won't argue casting him as that, as that role. And then what a great cast uh, on the side of that. You know, everybody else in the show was fantastic. But uh, and then from there obviously Parker Lewis just, just, you know, that, that launched me into a whole other stratosphere uh, but during the time I was doing Parker Lewis every hiatus I would do like a dramatic movie of the week uh, you know, so, so that people understood that I was a dramatic actor as well that was very important to me yeah I didn't want to be typecast at all and I think that also well, one of the things that's helped me to, to survive going from child actor to adult actor is the fact that that uh, I wasn't uh, I wasn't unwilling to audition even though you know and it really boiled down to I, I, I had an ego experience when I was in, you know on Parker Lewis auditioning for something near the tail end of the show uh, before it got canceled and, I, and it was a, it was a big job and it would have it would have skyrocketed me into a, into a really big you know film career. And my ego got in the way. And I, and, I, and I didn't want to pre-audition. I wanted to audition just for the producers. And I really shot myself in the foot by uh, by rubbing the casting director the wrong way. So,
1: uh,
2: you know, fortunately for me, I, I was able to recognize very quickly my mistake. And from that point on, I was like, I'll audition for anything, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, uh, and and with, no, with no qualms about it, like whatever. You want me to pre-read? You want me to do this? You want me to do that? I was like, I, I immediately understood very quickly don't don't bring your ego into the room with you when you're doing this kind of shit. And not only that, drop the ego. Anyway, the ego has no place, you know, in life. Really, uh, it, it, it serves a subtle purpose, but not much more than that. So from then on, I, I was I was not worried about auditioning, and that that really helped me to continue uh, working consistently. I mean, there hasn't been. There hasn't I, I mean? There's not one. When I was looking at my IMDb, I realized, holy, you know, there's not one year that has passed that I don't have some kind of some kind of job going on over this entire thirty uh, some odd years of, of working working in the business. So uh, that's that, that. It's incredible, regardless of of the, the the size scale or 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 you know, uh, um, financial side of, of, of movie making, regardless of all that, it's about working, you know, if you're if you're an actor and you're not acting, then you're not an actor, you know, so, for me, it's it's about what what can I bring to the project, not what can the project bring to me.
0: That's a good, good way to look at it. <clears throat> now, I was kind of going to ask about how Parker Lewis got started for you, but we went into that. What yeah. were some of your fondest memories of working
2: on Parker Lewis, I'd say some of my fondest memories really were the camaraderie between myself and the, and the cast members. I mean, we we had such a laugh on that show. There was just, I mean, every, we had worked really long hours on that show. On average, we were working 14 to 16 hours a day. Wow. And and every now and then we'd jump into to 18 hours to 20 hours. One time we did a 21-hour day. Oh, my God. You know, and that, and that was insane, you know. It was just, you, it's like you, you go to work in the morning, you work all night, and you, and, and suddenly the sun's coming up. You're like, I'm still at work. This is crazy. But we all got along so well, and we all had such, you know, it was such a, a really loose, uh, uh, artistic vibe on set that we just had a hoot. I mean, we were just constantly, you know, laughing between scenes and, and having a good time. It was very well produced. Uh, the the, uh, uh, the the crew was incredible, you know, and it was. Non-stop. It was just a, a fantastic time. And by the way, we don't have to let anybody know what what shirt you're wearing, but I love your shirt.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I don't even remember. <laughs>
2: Goodness. <laughs>
0: um, you also did a movie that I haven't seen in years called Operation Dumbo. Yeah, um, man. What I, was, that you was like on that?
2: That was a great movie. Well, first of all, I'm working with Ray Liotta, Danny Glover, and Dennis Leary. Oh, yeah. And that's just. And Dougie Doug was on that as well. Uh, Dougie Doug was a great guy. We got along really well. He was so funny. I mean, he was, such a, he was such a such a smart dude too. Really, such a sharp guy. Everybody was. But Dennis Leary, I mean, what a piece of work. You can't get you can't get a bigger piece of work than that. You take Dennis Leary, and you put him in a third world country. I just I just set him let let him loose every day was a was a stand-up comedy routine every single day you know actually every morning in the in the makeup trailer he would go into a diatribe about something that 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 he saw that was all messed up or whatever I mean there was constantly motorcycle wrecks in in Thailand because you know people drive like crazy over there and uh, and and I mean I can't I can't tell you how many wrecks we saw, like really, really bad wrecks, like you know. And you'd just be walking on the street and suddenly, bah! and there's bodies flying everywhere. You're Like, oh my god! I mean, this was this was in the in the '90s. I'm hopefully it's 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 gotten a little safer over there. I don't want to throw Thailand under the bus because I actually love Thailand very much. I mean, I had we were there five and a half months, uh, and I just had the best time ever. It was incredible. The, oddly enough, we we were supposed to be there uh, longer than that, but they had just uh it was during the clinton administration and he had just extradited 12 thai mafiosos to new york to stand trial for uh for heroin trafficking and uh probably other crimes as well but that was the main one they were focusing on and so the 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 uh, the thai mafia over there put a, put basically out on the news they basically were like hey if we catch any americans slipping we're gonna kidnap them and we're gonna hold them hostage oh until we get our our, our our guys back. Oh my lord! And so, uh, in fact, at the at the uh, at the um, uh, production office, they received a fax from an unknown number that said. We'll, we'll, we'll kidnap your cast.
0: Oh I swear to God.
2: That's and so they just—they literally within one week they packed everything up, and we went to Florida, and we finished the last week that we were supposed to shoot in Thailand in Florida, uh, which wasn't a lot of, of stuff. I mean, like I said, we'd been there for you know five and a half months, so we shot almost the entire film. So we did one last week in Florida. Oh, for for some like like the scene when 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 the when the uh, the, the the plane is on the uh, like out in the middle of the, the, the jungle on a, on a like a grass runway and the elephant comes running out of the plane and all that that was in Florida not Thailand but there wasn't a lot that we shot there. And then we did another you know, couple of weeks in L.A. on some green screen stuff, doing, doing some different things, and the interiors of the, of the airplane. So they had to build a special thing, because the, the elephant actually wouldn't fit through the, through the, uh, the, the, walk, the walkway of those, those C-130s. The elephant couldn't walk in there. You know, it was it was too small. The opening was too small. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So they had so uh, all the all the interior uh, airplane scenes with the elephant had to be shot on a soundstage uh, in Los Angeles. Uh, but but uh, so it was it was very you know it was just incredible film. I mean I just had such a magical time. Sorry. No, go ahead. Go no, keep going. Uh, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, 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 no interruption. We're doing do business guess. right, right now. You.
0: This is the kind of thing you
2: don't expect when you're doing interviews. Is the promoter come up and be like, "Give me the money, you owe me, bitch." <laughs> Where do you go? Uh, total is two eighty. Oh. Well, you guys
0: it. Delete that
2: part. <laughs> be back by in a minute. No worries. All right. But anyway. Um, What's the future hold for you, where I always end up? Well, I just finished a film, uh, uh, a couple of films actually, uh, but I just finished one that I'm really excited about, directed by uh, a a good friend of mine, Braun Theron, and uh, no relation to Charlize, but uh, he uh, called Half Dead Fred. He's a writer-director, me and him have known each other for for quite a long time now. We've done some other stuff, we did a a web series called Heat of the Beat, uh, that was, uh, I, I was kind of the comedic interlude on that. With uh, with also with a with a great actor, uh, Jordan Michael, Jordan C Michael, fantastic actor, and he 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 also was on uh, Half Dead Fred with me. Half Dead Fred is about a, a, de- a detective who can talk to the dead, so he's like a medium detective, and, but he solves crimes as well. So he like he goes into haunted places to solve crimes that are happening in present time, and to, and, and, and tries to, to to contact the dead to find out information about what happened to. These other people, so, you know? So it's a, it's a really great, well written piece. It's it's a, it's kind of a film noir type of deal, but it's got a lot of humor to it as well. You know, very a very well laced humor and, and an impactful emotional side to it. It's, it's going to be a roller coaster ride for people. Um, uh, I hope to come here to Dark History HorrorCon next year if we can get it finished in time. It'd be a great place to do a screening of it. I know we're gonna do the premiere of it in, in Flint, Michigan, where we shot most of the film. But... Uh, you didn't drink the water, did you? Uh, I did, actually. Okay? I did, yeah, 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 it's fine now. The water's it's fine so in Flint, hot. just so everybody knows, the water so is fine hot. in Flint, Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and, and it's, a, it's a great town, too, I have to say. They, they, we worked with uh, Joe Scopani, who runs, he, he, he kinda was like a co-producer on ground in Flint. And also runs—he's—he runs, uh, he's, he runs uh, the the Flint Public Arts Project, which which brings graffiti artists from all over the world to do huge murals on the side of buildings and stuff down there. And and that's how uh, that's how Braun knows him is because me and me and Braun know each other because we're both graffiti artists. I've been doing graffiti art since I was ten years old, and I do you know a lot of mural work and stuff like that, and uh, and and that's how we met and i realized oh this guy's also working in the film business and i am too and so we've, we've done a, a number of different kind of things together over the years but uh but this is the most impactful uh, project that we've worked on half dead fred everybody look out for it follow half dead fred look it up on everything you can look it up on facebook twitter instagram i think that's all there is but yeah. Uh, anyhow uh and then i'm supposed to leave in early December, I'm supposed to go down to Mexico to shoot a film about uh, a serial killer, playing a serial killer. Not not a real. This is a, a, a fake story. It's not, not based on anybody in real life. But it's with the same company called Toric Films that I just did a movie called Day Labor with uh, last la, last year. Yeah, last year. And it's uh, Day Labor is a really dark, dark movie uh, about uh, the border. And some some crazy you know like rednecks live that live uh, on a border property and they basically like kidnap people who sneak across the border they kidnap them and then they hunt them and give them a chance to get back across the border before they if they catch them they kill them or they can get back across the border and live oh, nice. and uh, but they but they accidentally uh, kidnap a, an ex-military dude who, who's just who's just working day labor work with with other immigrants who are coming across the border and and uh, and so he gets gets wrapped up in it by accident, but he's an ex like Marine, so he like he, so he like brings it and like takes it to the family, and uh, and ends up you know getting getting the revenge or whatever. So it's it's gonna be a very uh, you know controversial movie I would say in, in some respects. Uh, uh, the, my, my my main focus on it was to, to, was to do my best to not to not make it. Uh, a, a racially driven kind of piece with my character, or anything like that, as much as it was more about their like the character's point of view and everything. But you know, that, that, it's a touchy topic, uh, obviously. And I think that, that that the film itself will probably end up doing well because of that. Uh, but the but the company uh, the, the company that Toric Films, the company that, that produced it, they're great guys. I just did a, a, another smaller part in a film that I co-wrote with a director Brian Skiba. Uh, who did oh, yeah. Rotten Tail with me, and a bunch, I've done about like five or six films with Brian Skiba, but Rotten Tail is one that, that the fans out there might really like if they can find it, where it's a it's a horror comedy. Uh, I play a scientist who gets bitten by a mutated rabbit in a lab and slowly transforms into a half-man, half-bunny. <laughs> oh my God. And then goes back to his hometown of Easter Falls and seeks revenge on all the bullies that he had in high school. Uh, it's great, It's it's, it's a classic. <laughs> And it's done in the vein. T- t- it's supposed to take place in the '80s, you know, the you know the time period, and it's done like in the classic kind of '80s horror slasher movie thing. So it doesn't take itself too seriously at all. Uh, and I, I mean, I just had an absolute blast on it. So uh, there, you know, there's an incestuous circle in there, you know, with all with all the relationships. Most of the films that I've done in the last, gosh, 15, 20 years, practically, or the majority of them are, are through my own personal relationships that I've 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 made. By doing different, you know, smaller films and getting to know the producers and all of that. Very uh, cool. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, you played Richard Speck and you played Ted Bundy, so you have that serial killer experience, so to say, in the films.
2: Yeah, for sure. Uh, absolutely, and and I do like playing those darker roles, uh, so I think that uh, I think it'll go over really well. It's so strange being in a horror convention. Some of the things you see that pass by you. Right,
0: I don't come over and say hi,
2: at oh, the, at hi the table. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm right in the middle of an interview. If you give me one second. It's no, you're fine. Don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so with as nice uh, fingernails as that, they can get away with anything. <laughs>
0: right. Uh, wrapping up. Where can anybody find you if they have like a convention or a movie project?
2: I would say just go. Just go to. I, I'm really only active on Twitter and Instagram at this okay. point. I, I don't do Facebook. Uh, I do have a Facebook out there, but it's sort of like it's like that that lost island that you don't that nobody can find. Uh, but Instagram and Twitter are the exact same address it's the letter I the letter M so I am or I'm or instant message like that's how it, and then, okay. then my name Corin Nemec C O R I N N E M E C. so I am Corin Nemec on both of those uh, the same address makes it a little easier for people to, to, to right. find me and, uh, and from there you know uh, we, can, uh, we, we can create the future <laughs> very cool Corinne well, I hope to see you next year yeah, buddy. You know, that'd, keep be keep going that'd be great. That'd be great. they are. Yeah, yeah, man, that'd be great. And uh, thanks so much for joining me. You bet, my brother. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. And God bless you all. Good night. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Have a great night.